Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. And on tonight's show, we have the CEO of Elmo Software and the founder MD of Aussie Broadband, which both reported well this week and both had the expert analysts giving them the big thumbs up. FN Arena's survey of analysts tip Elmo has a whopping 89% upside with the share price. And even if they are only quarter right, it would be a pretty impressive gain. Meanwhile, Aussie Broadband has a 24% upside forecast by the analysts, but Audmanet, they think a 31% rise is in the offing. Now, also joining us is Blackmore Capital's Marcus Bogdan on how he's reacting to the recent market sell-off and what income stocks he's been now adding to his income fund. So that's the show. Let's kick off with Phil Britt, the founder and MD of Aussie, Aussie Broadband. Up now is the MD and founder of Aussie Broadband, Phil Britt. Thanks for coming on the program, mate. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. Okay, so you guys reported uh, this week? We did, yeah. And tell us the story. Uh, look, we had a, another solid um, quarter, just shy of 49,000 uh, more broadband services, so up about uh, 11% on the previous quarter, which is a, a good result. Um, we also provided EBITDA um, figures for the, the half of 9.1 million and then a guidance for the full year of 27 to 30 million. Okay, so... Um, pretty good growth. Um, what's been driving it? Look, uh, we've had strong growth again in the business segment. Um, that continues to, to be a good one for us. Um, but also the white label segment or wholesale segment. So um, we did a deal with Origin Energy um, about uh, six months ago. And uh, we, we basically manage all their broadband services for them. So they've been... Uh, seeing good growth we've done some a lot of work with them to help drive growth through their their energy base and so that's uh, ultimately flowed through to our numbers as well phil people who watch this you know would be sort of surprised how um someone who started effectively pretty small um a year ago your share price was 252 you topped out around five dollars 45 or so you're around four dollars 26 nowadays um it's been quite spectacular growth. How, how do you actually access the telco products to effectively sell to, to businesses and, and households? So we're a, um, a wholesale customer of NBN, so we access the full NBN network uh, all over Australia. Um, but we have a, a couple of um, things that we do a little bit differently. We've got really smart systems that allow us to provision and connect customers quickly. And so that's helped us with the growth um, because we've been able to onboard quickly. Customers can sign up on the website or, or call us over the phone. Our teams are based in Australia, so people enjoy talking to our Australian team. And that's, that's really helped drive the growth. The other thing that we've been doing is... Um, MBN is broken down into 121 different areas. And so if you want to provide services to all, you have to connect to those areas. And Aussie's been rolling out its own fibre infrastructure to those areas, um, which will create a fundamental step change in, in what our EBITDA will look like in, in FY23 onwards, because we, instead of paying other carriers to get from like the CBDs out to those 121 locations, yeah. um, 86 of them will be served on our own fibre. Yeah, so so your competitors 
and I probably you, you probably tell me there's no, there's no such thing as a competitor to an Aussie broadband. Um, <laughs> they, in a sense, are dependent on a a platform of services out to these areas that they, they've all got. But you've created um, an opportunity for how, how many of those 121s are you servicing yourself? Uh, so 86 of them are served ourselves and then yeah. the balance we use Telstra wholesale for. Okay. Do you envisage one day you do the other 121 or, or they're not as economical areas to, to service? They're not as economically. They're mostly regional and so the, you get a diminishing return the further you go out from the CBDs. I guess the other upside of our fibre is we can connect customers directly, particularly business customers, directly to it. And so that gives us um, a significant margin uplift over using the NBN or using other carriers' fibres. Yeah. I've noticed in you know, recent months, including maybe the recent year, you've actually been doing a lot more marketing. Has that, in a sense, driven up your costs but has actually helped the growth of the business? Yeah, look, it, it has driven up cost. It, it, it has helped raise the brand awareness significantly. And we've also seen the connection count um, come through as a result of that. So um, particularly as the market moved from, um, if we look back sort of 12 months ago, everyone was having to move to the NBN. There was a forced migration, if you like, yeah. whereas now everyone's on the NBN. And so there's no reason for them to change. And so you've got to increase your marketing activity, increase your incentive, I guess, for people to make that move and switch. Yeah. Well, someone listening is wondering what's your profitability like? Um, look, it's at, at the end of the day, um, our, our EBITDA margin sort of running around that 7 to 8% mark and, and increasing over time. As we move forward into FY23, there is that fundamental step change. We've also got the over-the-wire acquisition that will hopefully complete between now and then there in the business space. And so that will help drive through more business um, revenues onto our, our mix, which are a much higher margin than our residential um, explain, explain to the viewers what this over-the-wire um, move is. So over-the-wire is a, a business-focused telco. Um, they're, they're headquartered out of Brisbane. And Aussie does business services today, but we primarily operate in sort of the broadband and phone space, whereas over-the-wire is more extensive than that. They've got security products. They've got cloud products. Um, and combining that with our, our scale and our brand, we think that we'll be able to basically hit a much bigger range of the business segment. Is it a takeover or a merger? It's a takeover, yeah. Okay. So um, is that going to materially improve the outlook when you put your outlook statement together? Was the incorporation of Over the Wire an important part of that? Yeah, look, it, it is when about 18 months ago we sat down and went, where do we want to be sort of that by the end of um, FY23 and, and we wanted to be playing significantly stronger in the business space and we needed a certain set of products and skills and we started to look at do we build those ourselves or do we we buy that capability? We opted, we looked around, we've known the people at Over the Wire for a while, decided that that was a good fit um, and, and there's a lot of team um, our team, we supply wholesale to them. They supply wholesale to us today. So a lot of the team have already been working together um, through, a, I guess, a customer supplier relationship. And we think the cultures will be very compatible. What are your big rivals doing to try and get even with you? 
Uh, look, we've, we've seen one of the, the, the big T bringing its call centres back to Australia and that sort of thing. They, they started to, to tout that as um, the thing. I don't think necessarily bringing the call centres back on shore is going to solve it. I think there's actually fundamental process problems there that need to be be fixed. Um, but um, most mostly the big guys are focused on their mobile base at the moment. They own that infrastructure, higher margins, so they're putting more effort into that than they are necessarily the NBN space at the moment. As a company, are you suffering uh, any consequences of the supply chain problems that many businesses are experiencing at the moment? There's been a, a few supply issues in the mobile space, um, but our core broadband products, we've been um, warehousing a lot more stock for a, a long time. It's um, In terms of general COVID stuff, our um, just like the rest of the community, our, our staff are being impacted by COVID. Um, particularly over the last six weeks or so. So that, that's taken its toll. But um, uh, all in all, we, we're, we're surviving on through. It's interesting. We're, we're all using words like surviving and coping and whatever. <laughs> Are you also experiencing the fact that some workers don't want to come to come to work, but you'd like them to, but as a consequence of COVID, you just have to, you know, suck it up? Look, I think that there is definitely a bit of that. We've we've got some strategies in place for, for managing that. Um, we've, we've for our um, what I'd call our professional staff, our non-call centre staff, we've um, agreed sort of a hybrid type arrangement, um, and that seems to be working for both parties now. So, I think some people can um, are definitely more efficient at home. Others need that that mix and need that office um, social environment and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? That you know, I'm thinking of my own operation as well. You 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 feel as though your productivity is going to be threatened by it, but you are in uncharted waters. You don't know whether your productivity is going to be up or down. It's just that historically, you've liked to seen some of your key people and, and be able to walk out of your office and ask them a question and go back instead of phoning them up or emailing them or texting, that kind of thing. It's going to be a very interesting analysis of all, many businesses, the, the productivity consequences of COVID. Absolutely. agree with that. All right, mate. Well, good luck. Um, it's, I always like a, a company that comes to my show a year ago and its share price has gone from 252 to 426 keep, keep up the good work. Cheers. Thanks, Peter. Well, joining us now is the CEO of Elmo Software, Danny Lessam. Uh, now, and follows a, a was it the, was it early this week or late last week? You reported uh, early this week. Okay, fine. Kick it again. Well, joining me now is the CEO of Elmo Software, Danny Lessam. In a week when the company reported better than I guess what the market expected, but not necessarily better than what Danny expected. Thanks for coming on the show, mate. Oh, good, good to be back, Peter, and a great set of results. Uh, we're seeing um, increased adoption of cloud-based systems, uh, which has given us the opportunity to actually upgrade our guidance. Okay. So it was better than the market's expectation, and we have seen the share price you know, spike up as a consequence of it. Was it better than what you expected, you know, say three or six months out from the reporting date? Well, uh, it it has um, uh, basically allowed us to upgrade guidance. So it, it was better than expected. What we're seeing is an actually 
um, expedited move for businesses to reinvest in technology and move online. And um, what, what we're seeing now, even though we've got um, uh, remote-based working, particularly with the Omicron, we're seeing um, procurement in the mid-market, mid-market size organizations, it has normalized. So businesses have adapted. They know they need the technology to manage their people, process, and pay, and they're able to procure systems like, like Elmo and Breathe. So it's, it's, it's very good for us. It's a perfect storm. Um, there is increased um, uh, a need for a cloud-based system to manage disparate workforces, and we've returned to uh, normality around procurement. And the economy is quite robust as well. So very good for us. For people who don't fully understand what you guys do, just in a nutshell, explain what problem your business solves. The problem that our business solves is uh, how businesses can manage their people. So how they pay their people, how they ensure that people get their, their pay slips each month, people can re record their um, sick days or apply for annual leave, how, how businesses train people, how businesses um, performance manage people and how businesses recruit people. So it's all those, those tools, it's an automation of people management. So things that were done manually in the past now can be done all through a simple to use uh, online dashboard. And uh, what, it, what it does do, it solves a problem with the, the newer way of working with hybrid workforces where people are working remote or in office. It allows them to do all those functions on any device and do it very easily. So it um, solves a problem for the um, employee, for the worker. They can do those management tasks easily and, um, and for, the, for the HR and payroll function as well. When the coronavirus first struck, you know, our conversations were around, well, when the, once this is over and we get back to normal, um, you were expecting that, you know, CFOs and, you know, uh, people who run organisations would be more comfortable about investing in technology because we're back to normal. But the new normal is... It's a hybrid world. You know, lots of employees don't want to come back to work and bosses don't know how, to, how, you, how you make them and some bosses are even happy that their workers are working from home. Are you saying that, in, in a sense, over the time, it actually has helped your business, the fact that there's a greater requirement to manage people from afar and that's where technology will make it a lot easier than if everybody was coming to work and the HR person or the CFO uh, could actually see people, talk to them, and actually do things physically. Yeah, uh, it's it's been a tremendous evolution of the workplace over the last two and a bit years uh, through through this pandemic. It really has transformed the way that a lot of businesses operate, and it's become more of a disparate hybrid workforce. And in, to ensure that their efficiencies and there's communication. And, and businesses can continue to operate in, in a efficient manner, there is a great reliance on cloud-based technology. So that, that's uh, really um, expedited the adoption of, of the Elmo platforms. And uh, whilst we had a, a sort of slowdown in growth at the beginning of the pandemic, now there's a new way of working, there's a new way of procuring, and everything is done in a hybrid way. So it's been very good for our industry and very good for our company. And uh, the, these, res these great results are just the beginning. 
uh, that momentum is just at, at, at the start. So we're really seeing rapid adoption of cloud-based systems like Elmo. So we're in a very good spot, um, particularly enhanced uh, by our strategy during the pandemic. We didn't go onto the back foot and sort of reduce our expenses. Um, we continue to invest heavily through um, uh, organic spend. So we invested heavily in software engineers and building new, new modules and new functionalities, new revenue streams. We also went and we bought some great companies um, uh, in the UK, one called Web Expenses, uh, which is a mid-market play, um, uh, which uh, is, is the, the base for our geographic expansion of the, of the Elmo platform in the UK, and a, a fit-for-purpose small business platform called Breathe, which um, uh, we've added additional modules, revenue streams in the UK, very high growth, and we've brought that to Australia and, uh, and New Zealand. And, and again, we, we put um, additional, uh, we planted additional green shoots to take advantage of, of what we saw, or what we assumed would be a, a more rapid adoption of technology um, uh, as, as we get to um, a sort of post-pandemic world. And, and it's worked well. So we see this great momentum, but we've invested very heavily to actualize that full opportunity. Danny, you seem to be a victim, as a lot of companies like you, in the tech space, that whenever the US sells off tech and Facebook sold off overnight, so therefore tech stocks are down today, you cop some backlash. Is that frustrating as a, a CEO of a business that really is more than just tech? You, you, you certainly use the cloud and whatever, but you are actually working with real-life businesses. Does the, the market's tech tag annoy you sometimes when you see the share price slide? Uh, like any investor, I would like to see um, a, a higher share price, and <laughs> um, uh, particularly as, as a founder, and I, I do own uh, quite a lot of equity in the company, but um, I, I do take, and, and the company takes long-term view, is um, if we, we, we're looking at long-term shareholder value, uh, not, not over one reporting period, and um, the strategy we've adopted um, has ensured the uh, optimal ramp up of the business. Um, uh, if we can see now that uh, just with our half year results, we're about to cross through that $100 million mark in annualized recurring revenue. That's revenue that comes in year on year without writing any new business. That's, that's a big milestone. And with, with scale comes more operational efficiencies. So it's really expedited our um, our journey towards um, uh, uh, operational profits or, or just in terms of um, uh, break even. So that's really, really good. It's a very strong business model. It's now at scale. We can, uh, we've got great momentum with the growth. So we do believe is uh, all we have to do um, as, as executives in the business is execute accurately. We will see continued growth. Um, and ramp up, and we will see um, uh, sort of that moving down towards that pathway of profitability. I think that um, as, as an executive, as a CEO, as long as you can continue to give great results to the market, uh, don't worry about the share price, it will take care of itself. Yeah, it's, it's great for you to be so um, um, relaxed about it. It's just that people who invest in your company want the, the future to come as quickly as possible. What's interesting is that the Morgan Stanley analysts I looked at have a target price for $7.80, which would be an 86% gain in price. 
Um, do, do you risk, do you really wish that the market understood your company as well as that analyst? Uh, again, um, really, like any other shareholder, I'm, I'm sitting there, I would uh, really like a, a stronger share price at the moment. But um, on the other side, I, I see our, our company, we see, we see great results, we see great momentum, and uh, we can take the other view that it's a great opportunity um, with, with, the, with the current share price. It's a great okay. opportunity. Uh, now, what's interesting is you mentioned Breathe, and if anyone drives up um, George Street in Sydney, you now can see Breathe on the outside of a building that used to be, what was, who used to have the naming rights on that building? Uh, HSBC. Yeah, HSBC. And now you've got Breathe up there, not Elmo. Is that because you really do believe Breathe has a lot of potential for the, uh, the bottom line of your business? Huge potential. So Breathe is a fit-for-purpose um, uh, human resources platform and payroll for small businesses, so businesses uh, under 50 employees. And this is a segment which is totally underserviced. A lot of these owner-operators are, are doing these functions manually. Um, uh, again, like everyone else, everyone's uh, uh, struggling to get people in. So the, uh, the, the solution is automation. Um, and the owner operators are very tech savvy. They just need the right tool to um, automate that people management process and, and link it to payroll, which we do both with and breathe. So enormous potential, very high growth in the UK. So over 10,000 uh, uh, companies already use breathe in the United Kingdom. If we look at the half year growth um, on an annualized recurring revenue basis at, at uh, over 40%, so very high growth. And, and a very uh, a very big and available market in Australia and New Zealand. So very, very excited about the possibility. And as you said, um, uh, Peter, anyone uh, coming into the city, particularly at night, will see the Breathe logo um, as part of that um, Sydney skyline. And that's where it should be. Yeah, I, I think um, shareholders would love to breathe more comfortably about the future of your company. So it's an interesting little play. Uh, Danny Lesson, thanks for joining us tonight. Good luck going forward. Always a pleasure, uh, Peter. Thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure, my pleasure. As a small shareholder, I'm just hoping that uh, things head in the right direction given what the analysts said. Thanks for joining us on the program. Well, it's time for my regular catch-up with Marcus Bogdan of uh, Blackmore Capital. He's the guy who also runs the Switzer Dividend Growth Fund. Marcus, great to see you. Terrific to see you, Peter. Right, mate, it's good to talk to you ahead of, uh, well, reporting season is starting this week. Uh, I know the, in America they think the dividend stocks are going to do well, um, and uh, I'd be interested to see what you think about the local reporting season, what you're expecting, and are there any new uh, groups that you're adding to your fund? Sure. So I think the reporting season at the beginning of 2022 looked like to be relatively straightforward, but the Omicron uh, variant has put a, a fly in the ointment uh, in terms of supply chains and disruptions. Uh, we're seeing that across, across the board. So I think there'll be some reflection 
there. And interesting, when you look at the US results, whilst those results were strong and uh, in many instances above expectations, there was uh, a more uh, pause in terms of the guidance that they were providing and the confidence that they had in, in terms of guidance. And I think that's a natural response given, given how uh, Omnicrom has really come from left, left field. Notwithstanding that, we do expect to see earnings growth in the reporting season, uh, and that will be well supported by companies such as BHP, uh, and others in the in the big resource end, which have enjoyed elevated uh, commodity prices, uh, and then also on the oil and gas side of things, in, in terms of higher energy prices. Uh, so the net result of that is that we do expect to see uh, earnings growth for uh, financial year 2022 to be around around about nine or ten percent. Uh, and we do expect to see good growth in dividends as well. And we are pivoting more towards higher dividend yielding companies, particularly in the most recent sell-off in the markets. And also the facts have changed in terms of how central banks are going to navigate uh, this, this year. Inflation is higher and there is the expectation both in Australia and in the major market of the United States that we're gonna see interest rate rises. And we expect that that environment will be more conducive to banks in terms of the improvement in their margins. Uh, and the Australian banks remain well capitalized. So we expect to see continued uh, reasonable uh, loan growth, both from a mortgage and a business perspective. We're expecting to see a rise in dividends and importantly, payout ratios now are far more sustainable around 70%. Uh, so we're adding to uh, the banking sector in the income portfolio uh, with the addition of National Australia Bank, which provides uh, investors uh, for this year with the expectation of a dividend yield of around 4.6% fully franked and we expect that that dividend will grow also into 2023. Yeah. All right, mate. So um, the recent sell-off, um, is your feeling that it's over an overreaction if you look at the, the year going forward? Like it, it, it seems to me that the market looks like it's taking the worst case scenario in terms of how many interest rate rises we might see in the US and even here in Australia. And, and, and if it turns out that that is the case, that they're over worried, do you think that would then lead to a big market reaction on the positive side somewhere over the course of this year? Well, I think it's been a natural reaction because the pivot has been so dramatic by the central the central banks and there's going to be always uh, a level of uh, indigestion when that happens uh, thankfully in the income portfolio we don't have many true growth companies in the portfolios um, and they've been particularly sensitive uh, to the potential rise of discount discount rates notwithstanding that you've had the com you've had also 
the complication of Omicron uh, and what that has done in terms of the disruption that that's occurred in many of the consumer staple companies and in the healthcare companies. But importantly, we do think that those uh, disruptions are ephemeral and that they're short-lived and that is the areas where we think uh, there's starting to be some fair, some good to fair value opportunities in the consumer staples and in the healthcare sector as well. So I think it's very much dependent on the sectors that you're concentrating in the portfolio. But for us, in terms of looking for those more stable companies, looking at those companies with, with strong dividend yields, uh, I think the prognosis is much better. Yeah, because it seems to me, mate, if we look at what's going to happen, uh, the reporting season in February ended at the end of December. Omicron really didn't hit the, the economy till mid-December. So you've got two and a half months of a rebound economy coming out of lockdown. Now, you then look at the March quarter, which, of course, is going to have a lot of Omicron in it, and it probably won't be a great March quarter. But we, we report on a six-monthly basis. By the time we get to our next reporting season, uh, September, October, well, August, September area, you've had a, a six-month period where three months of it, like we're talking um, uh, May, June, July, could be another rebound economy if Omicron has dissipated. So there could be... The outlook statements by CEOs about the next six months, they don't know. It, it could actually end up being a lot better than they expect, but they have to be a little bit cautious because they don't know the Omicron effect. They don't know if people can't get back to the, the office again. There's all those uncertainties, and it could e easily be a great buying opportunity if Omicron dissip dissipates. The supply chain problems actually aren't as bad because Omicron goes away. There's a whole lot of interesting positive possibilities out there. I think uh, you're touching on some very important points. And if you look uh, historically how we've recovered from other lockdowns, uh, the recoveries have been reasonably robust uh, and the expectation, and particularly, uh, you know, you're starting to see uh, credit card activity, re retail sales, all of those have actually been uh, surprisingly strong. And so the disruption may only be uh, a full one month uh, and then progressively will get better from that period of time. So if your time frame is, lo is longer than one month and you're looking through, as we do as medium to long-term investors, and you're looking through this, uh, that does then provide the opportunity when those really good companies in those sectors do get sold off. Yeah, well, just as a concluding point, I know um, January has been a, a tough month for lots of businesses, but I know I've got at, in, into the Gold Coast on two occasions. I've flown on planes. I've stayed in hotels and resorts. I've, started, I've spent plenty of money like I would in the normal world, and maybe we may well be overestimating just how bad Omicron is going to be for the total economy. Let's hope I'm right. Indeed. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us, Marcus. Thanks very much, Peter. Cheers. And that's the show for tonight. Thanks for joining us. For a more in-depth analysis of stocks, to get the stock tips, think about subscribing to The Switzer Report. Go to switzerreport.com.au. Once again, thanks for joining us. I'll see you on Monday night.